Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Welcome back to The Dom Trap. My name is Dominique, and I am your host, your editor, your creator, your producer, your executive producer, and most importantly, I am your first, your last, and your everything. Welcome back, and welcome to The Dom Trap for those newcomers. Uh, I appreciate each and every last one of you for watching and checking out all of the content, whether that be on YouTube, or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or even uh, TikTok which has been doing fairly well. I am proud of the progress that we've made over there. So I appreciate each and every last one of you for checking those out, uh, loving those off the cuff reviews and asking me to review other movies. I appreciate each and every last one of you for that. Um, shout outs. Uh, shout outs to the main suspects, you know, the people listening. Shout out to Lex. Uh, shout out to Jack, Greg, everybody, Jason. Um, yeah, all of you. Shouts out to all of you. I hope that each and every last one of you are doing well. Shout out to Hiley, bro. Uh, my condolences, of course, bro. Love you. Let me know if you need anything at all. Um, hope that everything is doing fine. Hope that all of your mentals are doing pretty well. Uh, hope that your families are well. Hope that everyone is healing, doing some healing, enjoying the weather that we've been getting, uh, staying warm and, and dry for the most part we got a lot of rain this past week so hope that everyone is okay and all of that but today i just have a few movies that i wanted to get reviews on i have missed you know doing them on the podcast i've been uploading the tiktoks almost every time i see a new movie so like i said if you haven't followed the tiktok or joined it there or even checked out the shorts on the youtube page make sure you do that also because there's plenty of content there to share and love so yes do that and uh once again i appreciate each and every last one of you for for sticking with me for asking for episodes and you know lex we'll, we'll collab soon man i promise <laughs> i promise we'll collab soon i did just have to get this out though but yes uh shouts out to all of you hope that you're all well but first i do want to talk about one of the i guess you could say most anticipated films of the year uh there was a lot of speculation around this film as to if it was going to come out if it was not going to come out if they were just going to shove if they were just going to shove the whole thing in the trash or was wb just going to wb again and mess it all up but the film has actually been released you know years after it's been announced but it's at least been released that film being the flash now the flash is a film that i was never super on board with uh even when it was first announced before ezra miller started doing all the stuff that he was doing but i i never thought that there was going to be enough for his character to do besides flashpoint paradox you know but i was even curious as to see how they were going to do it then because they were in the process of building a universe. So what, why would you create a film to basically restart one? But you know, who am I? WB is WB, so we'll let them do them. But yeah, for the most part, I was not ever the biggest fan of the superhero, The Flash. I just always seen him as the fast guy. I wasn't a fan until later, much later, uh, until I saw Flashpoint Paradox, to be honest with you. That's where my fandom kind of started because I absolutely love that film. If you haven't seen it, I recommend seeing that uh, really anytime you want. But the movie, The Flash, not even the TV show. I did love the TV show at first. Later seasons kind of didn't really do much for me. But I want to say that this film, 
overall was a very safe move for DC. Um, everything that I expected that would happen in this film basically happened. Ezra Miller is just playing his Ezra Miller Flash character who's just young, quirky, comedic type of character. Um, and everything else was sort of a mystery at one point until they just started dumping all of the information that is honest at one point. And I want to say the more information we got, the worse things fared for the film, to be honest with you. Uh, when directors were coming out and making comments or when people that actually worked on the film were coming out and making comments about uh, Ezra Miller's behavior as well as cameos in the film, it, it just kind of all got watered down by the time I saw the film. Because, I, like I said, I, at the time I already knew what to expect, but when you have people that actually worked on the project come out and say, hey, this is what's happening, it's not really doing much for me, to be honest. But it's a very safe move for DC, considering everything that they have going on at the moment. Uh, with the transition of, uh, what's his name, David Zaslav and, and James Gunn taking over most of the creative processes for these films, is very safe. It does exactly what I thought it was going to do. Um, I would say that with all of the drama that was being announced and, and everything that was coming out about the film, uh, it's, I feel like this film is a little bit, it's, it's too late, I will say. I feel like this film should have come out maybe five years ago. Then it maybe would have made a bigger splash than it did, but it's just too little too late for this movie. Uh, as far as standouts go, I will say that Ben Affleck should, he, he should have gotten more to do as Batman. In this whole... DC ordeal. I feel like Ben Affleck really could have been a great Batman if there were better people handling the character creatively on the back end of things. They made him a very shallow character. We didn't need him to be Christian Bale. We did not need that. But if the right person would have been there, he could have been his own thing. And I feel like that's what's missing with his character. He just does not have his own thing. Everything just feels like a retread of a retread of a retread where his performance feels super watered down. So it's very jarring to see him make a funny comment about something because we just have not spent enough time with his character. Or his character has not done enough of what <laughs> the Batman character does. Uh, Michael Keaton is also in this film, which is something that they told us a long time ago, unfortunately. I feel like this would have been a great surprise if no one knew what his role was in this film and he just popped up and did what he did. I thought like that would have been fantastic. But we knew way ahead of time, way too early, what his character was, what he was going to do. And it's still not terrible. It's okay at best. He comes in, he does what he needs to do. And there's even a stint in the movie where he carries the film, where it's actually enjoyable to watch him kind of take control and, and do what Michael Keaton does. And I, I loved every second that he was on screen. I will say um, I had a big smile on my face because it was just kind of cheesy. And you can tell that he wanted to be there, even though it was for a check, but you could tell that he enjoyed himself. He said a few corny lines that just kind of came out of nowhere, but he, he really stole the show for a moment there. Um, I will say with this film, it's a time travel film for one. It's also a multiverse film. And for most of the film, you have Ezra Miller bouncing off of Ezra Miller. And it's kind of 
it's kind of fun for the character of Barry himself because he gets to take a deeper look inside of himself while literally looking at himself. So throughout the movie, you kind of feel his character make some kind of progress as he says things like, you know, I did not know that I was this whatever, this corny or this quirky or this annoying. And it it made made for a better moment in the film. Uh, when you get those kind of Barry on Barry moments, it's him literally making self-reflections in front of himself. And I will say the movie did a great job when it came to that aspect. Um, with everything else, <laughs> I felt like they just said, okay, let's just do the bare minimum and get this film out. Especially with how Supergirl was handled. And I felt like it was just kind of rushed. They kind of left a lot of plot holes with that whole story. Uh, I forgot her last name, but Sasha, Sasha Kyle, 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 I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, but she does a good job at Supergirl. There's not a lot of substance there. Um, not as much as we've had with Superman in the past, but she does a serviceable job with what she's handed with. Uh, <laughs> there's just a few other surprises. If you've seen Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, you'll see some things and you'll say, oh, this is still in the universe. That's good to know. Um, the villain from, or General Zod from Man of Steel comes back. Uh, Michael Shannon reprises the role again. And I think it's funny how even he came out and he was like, He's starting to not like doing superhero films because they don't do much for him. And he really wasn't given a lot more to do in this than he did in Man of Steel. And it's very, very noticeable, especially towards that third act. The third act is where I want to say most of everything just kind of goes to crap. Um, besides the terrible CG that this film has. Oh, my goodness. Um, there are moments where Barry is time traveling. And the movie just decides to say, oh, we don't like this. You shouldn't either. <laughs> so the CG looks like something from a very long time ago. It looks bad. It looks unpolished. But they came out and said that it's done on purpose, which I highly doubt. Because it's just, it's, you can tell that it's, in, it's done in such poor effort. They just kind of turned something out. And it didn't make for good moments at all uh there's a scene where he is saving babies from a collapsing hospital and i was just looking at it like is this real <laughs> and it's uh, apparently it's not real it's you know it's it's very much not real but the fact that it was put on screen in this state kind of says a lot about how they cared about this film it didn't have much care at all they really just wanted to get this film out to us and just say, okay, we're done with it. We're wiping our hands off with it. Here's our $300 million project that shouldn't have even costed that much. But here, here you go. And it's, uh, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> as much as crap as I have to say about this film, I do say that it's okay. It's, it's just not a terrible film. It's not good, to me at least. It's just okay. It's almost right in the middle. Um, it wasn't bad enough for anybody to walk out of, so I guess that's a good thing. Uh, but I did enjoy the two hours and some that I stayed for the film. And for that reason, I would say that this film is a 6 out of 10. I don't want to say it's dead in the middle, 
you can tell that they kind of cared about certain things, especially when it came to the nostalgia aspect of everything, you know, getting Michael Keaton on board and hoping that those nostalgia dollars roll in. Um, they, they did a, they did a good job with that. And yeah, it's a six out of 10 film, not terrible, not great. It's just serviceable. And with that, I will say that um, after this film, I am officially at the point where I have multiverse fatigue, not superhero movie fatigue. I feel like that's kind of subsided, but multiverse fatigue, I've, I've had enough of at this point. I am tired of these films and TV shows poorly poorly doing and and executing the multiverse aspect of the comics and it just feels so lazy and and undercooked all the time at this point and except for spider-man which i will be talking about soon uh so stay tuned for that not this episode but in the future i will be giving my full review on spider on uh, spider-man across the spider-verse and uh that should be fun but yes this is um just a serviceable film it's it's just super super basic for the most part they just don't do enough and yeah multiverse fatigue is, is finally setting in I'm, I'm i'm just annoyed with how they are just like let's have this character interact with this character and then not answer any other questions <laughs> and it's just like all right cool especially with this film there's a point at the end of the film where a character pops up and i was just like okay I guess a check was needed, but I could have done without it. And then hearing about the other cuts of the film where the uh, where that point happens, I'm like, well, I would have kind of preferred to see that rather than what I got in the theater. But WB has the big bucks. They make the big decisions. Even though they are poor decisions, they still make their decisions. So Flash is a, The Flash is a 6 out of 10 film. Take that with a... Uh, with a grain of salt, go and see it if you want. I'm not begging you to go and check it out. It doesn't need to make a lot of money. It's not doing well at the moment. Um, I think this past weekend it made $15 million, which is well, $15.6 million, I believe, somewhere around that ballpark. Um, a movie that I'll be discussing later on in this podcast almost surpassed that. So take, <laughs> take that with what you will. Um, but yeah, that, that's my review of The Flash. Hopefully, WB can learn from these previous mistakes with this and Shazam and Black Adam and just make better movies. Make movies that we actually care to see. I feel like that would do them justice. That would do us justice as consumers of the products that they're putting out and create future fans for those years to come. So, But it's WB again. Again, it's, it's WB. And they give me a headache every time I think about them, I talk about them. Because I would want more for the company itself. Um, but they don't want better for themselves. So I just have to be on the sidelines, seeing what they do next, and support it if I feel like it should be supported. But yes. <laughs> the next film I do want to discuss is... A film that I saw the trailer for and I was like, okay, this could go either one of two ways. This could be a fun watch for movie lovers or a terrible watch for everybody else. <laughs> and I'm glad that I was wrong 
because it is a good film for film lovers, but for everyone else, I think they may just not like this movie at all. They may stay just to see what happens, but they may get some things by the end of it that they just disagree with or dislike. That film is Asteroid City, which is the new film by Wes Anderson. I love Wes Anderson films. Don't get me wrong. I do. Isle of Dogs is my favorite from him. Uh, but this is another film that stars a bunch of uh, famous actors and actresses. Uh, they, they get into these films and they just do things. They portray these characters. Lovable or not, they do a fairly good job at what they're given. Uh, these movies are not super duper introspective, but they are aesthetically pleasing. Wes Anderson's shots, uh, I don't know if you all have seen Wes Anderson films, but they're very symmetrical. So things line up in such a satisfying way for my brain that I just love them and I just enjoy it. It's, it's eye candy for me. Uh, seeing the creative things that he does with these shots um, where there's maybe a building and it's lined up perfectly with everything else that's on the screen. And then sometimes you get that random shot where <laughs> there's something random happening in the background, but then someone in the foreground is just looking off in a distant direction like this. And it's just, it makes for a good film, to me anyway. But this film is about a remote desert city that a meteor landed in, hence the name Asteroid City. Um, and they basically are there to do science experiments and figure out where this came from, what caused it to come here. And it's about a... Uh, just a, a lot of characters. I would just say that's about a lot of characters. But one of the main characters is Jason Schwartzman, who I will say is on fire after me seeing him in Across the Spider-Verse and then this. He's really doing a great job. He was even great in The Righteous Gemstones last season, but he wasn't in there for long. But I love Jason Schwartzman. I will say that. But he he's a father of a super nerdy science geek. He's a photographer. He's a war photographer. And they are there to do the experiment and then basically proceed with their lives. He is a widower and he has three other children. They're all little girls. <laughs> and they were kind of one of the standouts for me. They didn't have a lot to do, but his three little girl children are fantastic in this film. They are weird. They make these jokes out of nowhere. I, I love them. I love them in this movie. But there's the whole aspect of the film where it's like, what is this even about? And as I'm watching the film, it's being told by acts and scenes. So I'm like, okay, this has got to be a very, very meta movie that's probably taking place within a movie. And doggone it, I was right. I knew it. I, I absolutely knew it. Um, this is basically a film within a film. <laughs> and it's done in a way where you can pretty much choose which movie you're there for. <laughs> you can be there for the movie that is actually being filmed or the movie that's going on around that movie being filmed, which makes for performances to be kind of overshadowed. Um, there were, well, when the movie takes place outside of the movie, the aspect ratio changes, the uh, color grade is set to black and white, and it's just still interesting because it still has those Wes Anderson shots. But I will say that the movie kind of tanks during those scenes because all of the emotion that we were feeling about the characters within the film, we 
get those emotions just taken away and we're like, okay, this is reality. This is what's actually happening with the film. But I will say there's one, one, one scene in particular that involves an alien. And it's not much of a spoiler. It's in the trailer, but it involves an alien. And it's <laughs> the way that it's shot. It's shot like this kind of claymation type of uh, animation. And it's, it's, it was so much fun to watch. And I was just, my eyes were just glued to the screen. I, was, I had this big goofy smile on my face. I was laughing. It was just a funny moment. And it just felt so random. But I loved it. I absolutely love that moment. I wish that there were more of those moments. Granted, there were a little, a few sprinkled in, but that scene in particular was just like, I think that scene in particular is worth the price of admission for a matinee. <laughs> like I said, I, I saw this movie yesterday. I got up and saw it early because I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to see it, but I was like, I might as well, because I did miss the last showing of uh, The French Dispatch. His last film, I, I did completely miss that that showing, and so I was like, okay, I, I will make it to this one. This one was at 10:40 in the morning, and surprisingly, there was a decent turnout. There were quite a few people in the theater, and they all laughed at just about the same moments that I laughed at. Um, I think there were a few jokes that I did catch that they did not, because I was the only one laughing at certain points. But there was a surprising amount of people at this showing. And it seems like everyone, for the most part, enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, granted, uh, when I left the theater, these two guys were talking about it, and they asked me what I thought. And I was like, to be honest with you, I don't know how I think after the ending. Um, it's, like I said, it's a film within a film. So you have your acts, you have your scenes. And the movie kind of tells you before how the movie is structured, you know. Act one is one day, act two is the next day, and then act three is the following week. That They literally explain that to you in the film. But by the end of the, of the whole ordeal, it does switch back to real life, or quote-unquote real life. And it's just weird. It's, it seems random. It seems out of left field. It's very, very odd how they decided to handle that. and. I'd hoped that it would stick the landing, but this film pretty much ended with a whimper for me. It just did not do enough to sell the film in such a way where I could just come here and recommend it to everyone, where I can just only recommend it to people that love Wes Anderson films or just the art of film itself as far as, you know, what it takes to create a film. Um, yeah. I will say that Isle of Dogs is still the superior Wes Anderson film, and that is the hill that I am dying on. I love Isle of Dogs. I should do a rewatch and maybe talk about it on here because I absolutely love the film. But uh, this movie is a 7 out of 10 for me. It's, like I said, it's very unconventional. <clears throat> there are a lot of unconventional aspects with this film. And I had my hopes up for those first two acts. And the fact that it fumbled in the third act just kind of made it a little bittersweet. Just a little bittersweet because I, I just wanted more from this film. And I did not get that. And this movie, it shows places where it could have gone to the next level. It could have gone beyond what we actually got on screen. 
but it felt like it was just afraid of itself. It didn't want to be too meta. It didn't want to be too creative. So they just kind of pulled back and let everything just kind of rock. And I mean, that's okay. But with, like I said, with the way that this film ends, it just doesn't seem like they quite knew what they wanted to do. It's like they, they had a premise and they just said, oh, we have to still write the ending. Oh, well, we'll just do this at the end of it. <laughs> and that's exactly what it feels like. Um, I will be loving the, hopefully loving the next Force Edison movie, shall he create another one. But for the most part, this film was just okay. I mean, it was good. It was okay to good. I will say that. <laughs> I enjoyed my time. It's just the ending just was not enough. And yes, that is my review for Asteroid City. Uh, I recommend some people go check it out. Not everyone, but certain, a certain demographic of, of film watchers go check it out. But on to the next film I do want to discuss. <laughs> I, I saw the trailer for this film and I said, oh, wow, this looks like a lot of fun. This looks like something that I have seen before. But of course, I have not because it has yet to be released. It stars Jennifer Lawrence, and I feel like I haven't seen her in a role like this, and that's because I haven't. She's even come out and said that she's always wanted to to come out and do one of these types of roles. This film is No Hard Feelings. And this film stars Jennifer Lawrence, of course. It also stars Matthew Broderick and Andrew Barth Feldman, who this is my first time even knowing who this guy is. And after this film... Andrew Barth Feldman has such a, he's in such a comfortable position after this film. Uh, he could continue to do roles like this. I could see him going into more voice acting roles. He just, he's great in this film. <laughs> Considering this is the first thing I've seen him in, he does a fantastic job um, with the the comedy that takes place, with the physical comedy that takes place. Um, the romance aspects, he does a great job of just portraying this scrawny, little awkward, he's overshadowed, he's a teenager, it's just down bad at the point where it's just like, okay, this dude is really needing some kind of guidance that his parents have not provided to him because they're so overprotective over his life. But uh, essentially, for the most part, before I get too much into his character, uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character is a 32-year-old Uber driver who goes in and out of relationships who is trying to, at the same time, keep her house, which is her, her mom's house. And the that's the main plot, is that she's trying to keep the house, and she's an Uber driver. So she, she loses her car, and then she finds a uh, a job listing i think it is and she's just asked to date this couple's son and then they will give her a car <laughs> so she's just trying to basically come up in the world and she's trying to find this get rich quick scheme uh, or get a buick regal quick scheme and she decides to take them up on their offer so she gets her rollerblades and she rollerblades to their house which is on the hill <laughs> and she meets them, and right away you can get a kind of good glimpse of how they treat him. They love him to death, but they kind of step in the way. They overstep their boundaries 
for example, they, they had their like location set on them and, and they keep up with all of his internet activity. They check his browser history. The very invasive parents. And he is already kind of not, you know, the happiest of kids. So that kind of has taken a hit on his, his mental. And there's a scene where he's literally just laying in the bed. And he's on social media. He's just scrolling through TikTok or whatever. And he's seeing you know, I guess his peers or even just other teenagers around the world having the time of their lives. Meanwhile, he's just a sad, borderline depressed kid just watching them enjoy their lives. So she meets with them and they tell her basically, hey, um, we'll give you this car if you date our son, but we want you to try to do it as organically as you can. Um, Meaning like she can't come out and go into his room and say, hey, my name is this. Let's go out and let me take you on a date a date, but she decides to get this idea to meet him at his job where he works at a, uh, he works at a dog shelter or an animal shelter. And she comes up to him with his pink dress on. She's got these high heels on basically like, it's like, a, it's almost like a dream. It's like, almost like he's dreaming. And I believe he does says, he does say that at the point where he's just like, Oh, this feels like a dream. She just comes up to him and she's being overly forward with him. She keeps moving close to him and trying to touch him because she really wants this Buick Regal. <laughs> and uh, it's it's a movie that works. On paper, it doesn't seem like the type of movie that would come out in 2023 where you have a 32-year-old woman trying to date a 19-year-old kid. And it's like, it's just a weird plot to have in this day of age. It feels like something, like I said before, could have happened in the early 2000s, late 2000s, or early 2010s. But now, with the state of the world that we're living in, it's very hard to make a film like this. And it makes sense. But this film works. It's got its moments where it's not very, it's not really relatable at all. But when it is relatable, it actually works. Um, there are moments where I'm pretty sure someone in the world is like, okay, I can't really be with this person, but this person is providing or someone that's related to him is providing a service or a product to me that I kind of need. So I kind of have to put up with this just to get to where I want to be and, and keep the things that I have. But they do a fantastic job with this film as far as the, the comedy aspect of it, the physical comedy aspect of it, even the romance. It's like, okay, this person is starting to feel these emotions that they have never felt and they don't know exactly how to handle it. So we just have to watch them handle it to the best of their ability. They don't know everything. They don't know the future because of how the situation is with her being 32, him being 19, uh, him being a high school graduate that's going into college. It's just a weird space to be in, in life in general. And then also in his predicament where he's out of nowhere, you know, he's been a loser for so for so long. And then he has this girl that actually wants to be with him and, and hang out with him. It's a bit of a culture shock for him. So uh, it, it, it works in that aspect. This film is funny. <laughs> there are several funny comments that are made by characters. There are funny moments. Uh, the phys Like I said, the physical comedy is really on point. There's a scene where they are at a beach that is hilarious i should say actually there are two moments at the beach that are pretty funny there's a moment in there's a moment in, uh involving a party which is very funny it's in the trailer if you haven't seen the trailer but it's a very funny scene there were two guys in my theater that were like 
laughing so loud. And it was just hilarious to me where they would just burst out with this gut-busting laugh. And I would laugh at their at their laugh and miss the next joke that was happening because it was just it was just so funny. And I mean the guy he sat towards the front of the theater, so it was just so loud. And then the other guy sat literally behind me to my right. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna try to enjoy this as much as I can. But um it was also funny too because the guy that was behind me um walked while well, I was waiting on someone, he walked past me outside of the theater and, and he actually commented on the ending and what he wanted to see in the in the after credits and I had already seen that there were no after credits, so I got to talk to him about that, which was actually kind of funny that we were thinking the same thing. But yes, it was a uh, No Hard Feelings is is a very enjoyable film. I want people to go and see this movie because I do have a very soft spot for rom-coms in general. Um, this I won't say it's a guilty pleasure because I actually enjoy them. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure pleasure. <laughs> I love rom-coms. And with this one being a new one, I want more directors to take more chances with rom-coms. Uh, or romances in general. I feel like there aren't enough romances that are good anyway. I feel like most romances that come out now are just kind of whatever stories and it's like okay do with this as you will but this one is actually a comedy it's actually funny uh there's actually good performances here and that's why i'd say that no hard feelings is an eight out of ten for me i may be a little biased because like i said i do love rom-coms but this film is very very well done it's very well made they cared about this film they wanted to make us laugh and i love how much they went out of their way to do so. You know, like I said, with, with the comedy and, and the physical aspects of everything, it's just very, very well done. There's a fight. Like I said, there's a fight on the beach. It's just like, oh, wow, so we're going here. And I feel like we haven't seen a scene like that since maybe Neighbors uh, with Seth Rogen. <laughs> and it was, it was pretty funny, but I love this movie. Uh, go and check it out. Make sure this movie does better than The Flash next week. Uh, Thank you very much. <laughs> but for the most part, I think that that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, I'm hoping to put out the next episode. I probably will put out the next episode pretty sooner than I did with this one compared to the last episode. It's been about a month. But I feel like time is really slipping away from me. And I know that I'm not the only one feeling like that. But I feel like I'm not sure if it's the season. I'm not sure if it's the weather. I'm not sure if it's just the way that I work, I'm, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but I feel like time is kind of escaping me. Like I'm living in the moment. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but there are just moments where I'm like, Oh, it's been that long since I've done this or that long since I've done this. And it's just, I don't know. It makes me think about a lot of things, but I am trying to keep my head up through it all. Um, for those that stay to, to hear, you know, how, how my weight loss progress is doing. Um, as of Monday, what day was Monday? Monday the, let me check here. As of Monday the 19th, I, I weigh in on Mondays. Um, I do think that I will slow down on weighing in. I think I'm going to start weighing in every two weeks rather than one week now. But as of this past Monday, I am officially down 70 pounds. And I, I feel every last pound that has been lost over the past six months. And yeah, 70 pounds in six months. I'm, I'm super proud of the progress I've made. Once again, I'm I'm trying to embrace it as it should be embraced. I do feel like there are moments where I'm like, 
Of course, I'm not where I want to be or where I need to be, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the progress that I made. I think that's it. I think it's just a, a weird feeling for me to be proud of myself because I've never been, I don't want to say I've never been proud of myself, but when it comes to my weight, anyway, it's, I've, I've always had a struggle with it for as long as I can remember, but I'm very proud of myself. So I do have those moments where I know that I'm doing well, but there's always progress to be made, but that progress will still be made. I, I, I do not plan on stopping anytime soon. Um, I just want to, like I said before, I'm just trying to do better with my life and, and how I'm feeling with everything. So um, really, really just trying to stick to my strict, well, I'm, I'm on a pretty strict diet. I will say that <laughs> my diet is pretty strict. I do kind of get away with a few things on the weekends because why, why not? But for the most part, it's a very strict and easy diet that I'm on and that mixed in with everything else as far as going to the gym and working out several days a week for several hours and it's it's been working you know I, I don't have a trainer or anything I'm not a health professional or anything I just decided that it was time I turned you know I was turning 30 and I just decided hey it was time and I've just been doing what I felt was necessary uh, to do to lose the weight so I'm, I'm very proud of myself and I hope that you are too so with that being said, uh, thank each and every I thank each and every last one of you for listening to the podcast, um, for checking out the TikToks and everything else. Uh, as far as streaming goes, man, um, I haven't streamed in months, but I do want to. Um, if I'm feeling like I may even stream after I finish recording this, so if you're not following me on Twitch already, go and follow me at twitch.tv at Gary or slash Gary. But yes. I thank each and every last one of you for all of your support. Um, oh my gosh. Shout out to Ray. Shout out to Ray and the guys over at RJCXD. Sorry, I, I just I blinked. Sorry about that, Ray. If you're listening, hopefully you're still listening. Sorry about that. Shout out to you, Ray. Uh, once again, shout out to Lex, Hiley, um, Pruitt, Greg, Justin, everybody. Shout out to everybody listening. And um, I, I'll be back sooner than I was this last time. Getting, like I said, um lex we will record best believe um i do want to have you on the trap soon highly i want to have you on the trap soon so y'all be on standby i'll let you all know and this has been a fun episode i would say but for the most part it's it's been me my name is dominique once again i am your host your editor creator producer executive producer and most importantly i am your first your last and your everything this has been the dom trap i hope to see you all soon love you see y'all later and yeah, peace.